0: All right, good morning, church. I, 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 my hope for us this morning um, in, in all of this is that your joy and your hope go up, that, that you feel encouraged this morning, and that worries, fears go, go down. I, I hope that as we look at the Bible this morning, the Holy Spirit will highlight some things in, in your life that uh, to change and so that you can continue in your progress towards uh, Christ likeness and at the same time I hope that he fills you with with words of hope and yeah that you that you leave guided and encouraged both at the same time. Over the last several weeks, we've been in a study entitled Make a Difference. Make a Difference, Learning to Follow God Well. Uh, I've been looking at different aspects of what it is to follow God well so that you can, in your life, make an extraordinary difference for God. We've been talking about a wide variety of things such as hearing God's voice, learning to hear God's voice, not giving up, in the context of pain and, and horrible disappointments. We've talked about a navigating rejection. We've talked about how to respond when God calls us to a specific, uh, unique, special task. So, so for weeks we've been talking about following God well. There's been a lot more topics about that. But what I like about this study is that we're not just looking at one person. We're looking at three very different people in very different life contexts. We're looking at, at a woman na- named Hannah. We're looking at uh, a, a prophet, a priest named Samuel. We're looking at a king named Saul. And each of them has, has very different starting points. Each of them has very different challenges that they need to navigate. And, and I know that's, that's so true with us in this room. It's so true that that we are very different people coming from very different circumstances with very different starting points and very different challenges that we each have to navigate. And yet we have one great, significant invitation. Whoever you are, whatever your story, you're invited to make a difference for God. Uh, and and that path that we get a call that we get invited to that that we're le- being led on, from whatever our starting point is, learning to follow God well, and and I just love it. I love it this how how God's how God's designed His kingdom, uh, full of love and acceptance for everyone, and and guiding people towards holiness and towards His way. So, anyways. What, what we're talking about today and, and that the things that may jump out to you to you may be different than somebody on the other side of the room because we're all at different starting points. And, and what, yeah, what I like about this chapter that we're looking at today, we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapter 12, is we're going to look at two different, it's not really fair to call them. People, But we're looking at two different uh, starting points. That's the best way to call it. We're looking at two different starting points with two different realities and how each of them, although extremely different, are set up to make an incredible difference for God. Some of you might, might be more uh, in the first, some of you might be more in the second situation, but I think we'll all be encouraged on, on how to make a difference. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 12, which is actually back to be looking at Samuel. We've been talking about Saul for a few weeks, but Samuel, he has a final public address to the nation. It's definitely something I've been looking forward to speaking about for a while. Samuel has followed God well all the days of his life. He has made one of the most significant nation-changing impacts of of all the people in the the Bible. He's he's in that top echelon of difference makers. Let's let's read from his final speech in 1 Samuel chapter 12. The words are going to be on the screen. So then Samuel said to all Israel, I have carefully listened to everything you said to me and placed a king over you. Now you can see that the king is leading you. As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. I have led you from my youth until today. Here I am. Bring charges against me before the Lord and his anointed. Whose ox or donkey have I taken? Whom have I wronged or mistreated? From whose hand? Have I taken a bribe to overlook something? I will return it to you. You haven't wronged us. You haven't mistreated us. And you haven't taken anything from anyone's hand, they responded. He said to them, Yahweh, he says, the Lord is a witness against you. And his anointed is a witness today that you haven't found anything in my hand. He is a witness, they, they say. So the example here... Uh, with Samuel, and the one that I want to hold up to you as, as the best way to live, the best way to live, the best way to, to make a difference for God is lifelong integrity. Is lifelong integrity and, and blamelessness. The life of Samuel demonstrates for us the power of lifelong integrity. The power of lifelong integrity. Now Samuel faced temptations. He faced opportunities to compromise. Yeah, he, he, everyone does And he says, have I taken anything that didn't belong to me? Have I mistreated someone? Have I I valued money over people or over godliness? Now, I'm not going to say all that much about Samuel because we've talked about him several times. And and, and I want to get to the next bit. But what's always surprised me about about our generation and every generation in the Bible is how undervalued integrity is. How quickly people will compromise on their, on their integrity for, for virtually nothing. Now, I know that most of us don't think of pe- us, ourselves as people who, who compromise on our, on our integrity and, and take things who don't belong to us. But when I was about 19 or 20, I started to get convicted that I was compromising my integrity for 99 cents. I lived in America, same as 79p here, but like 70, 99 cents. I knew how to get a song, an MP3, for free. So why would I pay for it if, if I could get it for free? And I would I would compromise, I would throw away my integrity for 99 cents, the cost of a song. Now I don't think that's much of an issue now, none of you do that, nobody, nobody does that anymore, but... There are so many, so many cheap, cheap ways that people throw away their integrity to save a bit of money. Um, Movie piracy. uh, Not buying train tickets. Some people even celebrate that they didn't get to buy their, they didn't have to, they weren't forced to buy their train ticket. Yes! I totally threw away my integrity. Yes! No, uh, that's not exactly what they're saying, but they're, they're thinking they got away with having something they didn't have to pay for. I know this may sound shocking, but there are people in our generation who don't pay for Netflix, but use somebody else's. I know, it's it's hard to imagine, or or other online streaming services. They use somebody else's. They they use somebody else's, and some people and enter into integrity. Ex- integrity-defining contracts with people in the sense of, like, I will pay half, and you will pay half. Neither of us will pay the amount that we're supposed to pay to use it. And you don't live in my home, and I don't live in your home, and we're not related, and And we are just going to throw away our integrity so we can save three pounds this month. It sounds ridiculous, but it, it is entirely... I mean, it, I think I've said this for a decade or maybe two decades while teaching it, however long I've been doing this. Expect your faith to cost you. Okay, expect your pursuit of godliness to cost you. That might mean mean paying for things that other people aren't paying for. Because they're cutting integrity corners. They don't have the same values. I expect my life will be both more expensive and more rewarding as I choose to follow God well. Integrity is—it's a lost value, and, and yet it's usually not in the the big things that we might think of it. Now, I haven't broken into anybody's house. I haven't stolen anybody's car, at least in the last couple of days. And 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 you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, you know a, a a crazy thief or whatever. And and um and yet it's the daily compromises. It's the daily compromises. Oscar Wilde, uh, an Irish poet, he spent the last couple of years of his life in jail. He wrote this. And, and I just think it hits it. He says, I forgot that every little action of the common day makes or unmakes character. Every little action, every little action of, of the common day makes or unmakes character. It's, it's the secret things. It's the hidden things. It's the commonly accepted things. Uh, But, you know, the secret things, the things we think we can get away with, Um, Sir Arthur Conan Conan Doyle, creator of Sherlock Holmes, notorious practical joker, I I think this is cruel, but I'm going to read it because it's it's cruel and amusing at the same time. He he sent out um, 12 identical telegrams, 12 identical uh, uh, to his friends, or at least his friends before this moment, and the telegrams were anonymous. And they simply said this, all has been discovered, stop, flee at once, stop. <laughs> Within 24 hours, all 12 men fled the country. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I, I got a phishing email uh, a few months ago, had my email address and my password on it, which is kind of kind of unnerving. Yeah, uh, change your passwords, people, it, it, from time to time. Uh, so, and, and I can't remember the exact phrase in this email, but it was something like, um, I have found, I have all these, uh, I have all these images from your computer that are, are even too shocking for me. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know, church renovation pictures aren't the most uh, shocking pictures, but okay, okay, buddy, sure, put them online. That would be fantastic. Uh, I would appreciate that. I'm, I'm actually paying people to put those online. This is... This is uh, free, free marketing. But, but the, the, those, those phishing emails, they're disturbing because, because so many people are, and I, and I know people are paying people just at the fear of what if I'm being discovered? What if I'm being found out? Lack of integrity, generational lack of integrity. Uh, it's, it's an issue. It's making some people rich. Okay, that's just bonus stuff. I didn't really want to get into that. There's no way, though. There's no way that you can follow God well. There's no way that you can follow God well, even claim to be following God well, if if integrity is not something that you highly prize, that you highly cherish, and are willing to let that pursuit cost you. Cost you in friendships, cost you in finances, just cost you. Samuel's done it right. He's done it right in his generation. He's lived a godly life. His testimony is lifelong integrity. And he's and he has this great story of how following God well can make a nation-changing impact. That's the first path of following God well. I want to take a little bit more time on the second path. So we're going to keep reading in chapter 12. Well, actually, maybe I'll just sum up the next couple verses. What happens as we continue on in this in chapter 12 is... Uh, Samuel starts talking to the people, and he says, okay, you have nothing against me, but, but your integrity is rubbish. He basically goes on and he calls them out for their lack of integrity, and they're not following God well. Their rejection of him wanting, uh, and wanting a king, even though God had been so good to them. So he goes through that, tells them about how amazing God is, reminds them about that, and then you get down to verse 12. And in verse 12... Samuel says, but when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was coming against you. He's the guy we talked about last week, the eye gouger. I won't act that, why do I act that out every time? (laughs) But when you saw that Nahash, king king of the Ammonites, was coming against you, you said to me, no, we must have a king to rule, uh, a king rule over us. Even though Yahweh your God is your king, the Lord your God is king. I I think it's interesting, we didn't see it last week, it wasn't articulated that way last week's chapter, but this idea of, okay, so Nahash's invasion, and I showed you in the Dead Sea Scrolls just how... They, it described that this massive area of land in the Bible it just talked about Jabesh Gilead, but the massive area of uh, almost two full tribes had been decimated by by Nahash and here it points to the fact that it 's that fear of the invasion that was at the at one of the catalysts for bringing about Saul and his kingship uh, also randomly in this week in my Bible read through group, I noticed that david 's nephew married nahash 's Granddaughter. That was just free. It was there. Uh, th- There's some connection there between uh, David and his family. But anyways, so the nation is freaked out by Nahash. Th- they're freaked out, which makes sense. I mean, uh, okay, I get it. If, if you are sitting here and people are invading Scotland and they start in Edinburgh, because, yeah. And they're, <laughs> well, it's the East... It's the east, the same. So they're coming in from, from going through Edinburgh, and all they have, all those thems have lost their eyes, or their right eyes. And it's coming out, and it gets to (laughs) Eurocentral, and you're just freaking out. You're like, okay, this is getting close to Glasgow now. At that point, as a city, as a people, it it would become very difficult for us to trust the invisible God. Because Edinburgh, right? And Eurocentral. And and we're getting closer. And, and, and we're stressing out. And the invisible God didn't save them. And, and you start freaking out. And, and that's what happened here. And they're like, okay, God has been good to us historically, but we are freaking out. This has been happening. We want a king. We want a king right now. You think you think Brexit's a big deal? Uh, Brexit's got nothing on Nahash. And that's, you can just put tweet that out there. It's going to be the next... Next viral quote, brexit got nothing on Nahash. Uh, whew, it's going wild. Anyway, so following God well, following God well uh, to, in order to live a life that, that makes a difference. It includes following him with integrity in the day-to-day, but also in the scary day. It's one, following God is difficult in our generation and the day-to-day, but it's even more difficult in the scary day, and that's the day that we're most prone to compromise, when we're when we're freaking out. We're called to follow God well in, in every subtle temptation, every fear, every pain, every challenge, small days and the big days, the big days and the small days. But I want to keep reading because that's actually not where we're at yet, where we're going yet. The next verse, in fact, I'm going to read the next couple of verses. Now... Samuel's talking, now here is the king you've chosen, the one you requested. Look, this is the king the Lord has placed over you. If you fear the Lord, worship and obey Him, and if you don't rebel against the Lord's command, then both you and the king who rules over you will follow the Lord your God. However, if you disobey the Lord and rebel against His command, the Lord's hand will be against you and against your ancestors. Now, therefore, present yourselves and see this great thing the Lord will do before your eyes. Isn't the wheat harvest today? I will call on the Lord and he will send thunder and rain so that you will know and see what a great evil you committed in the Lord's sight by requesting a king for yourselves. So you will know and see what a great evil you committed in the Lord's sight by requesting a king for yourself. Samuel called on the Lord, and on that day the Lord sent thunder and rain. As a result, the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. They pleaded with Samuel, pray to the Lord your God for for your servants so we won't die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of requesting a king for ourselves. Samuel replied, don't be afraid. Even though you have committed all this evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all your heart. Don't turn away to follow worthless things that can't profit or deliver you. They are worthless. The Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he has determined to make you his own people. Okay, so Samuel is a great example of, of, of someone who makes a difference with their life, with, with lifelong, uncompromising integrity. Uh, in, in Samuel, we see that. that uh, but there's another powerful path, and it's the power of embracing grace. It's the power of embracing grace. When we look at this story, the, the nation is totally screwed up, and Samuel says, what a great evil you committed in the Lord's sight. He just calls it out. You have done a great evil, and God's power. And it's about God, God's people—they've powerfully rejected God. They've offended God. Uh, they've made an insulting, major decision, and and they they were too afraid to trust God any, any longer. The invisible God, and and as a result, God shows His unhappiness with them by destroying their wheat harvest, destroying their. Now that's that is a massive, significant blow to the nation for that year in their, in their food supply. Just a, 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 a really horrific thing. Now maybe you heard when I read through this, the, the first part of this, um, this this message about making a difference, learning to follow God well, being about lifelong integrity. And, and when you listen to that first half of the message about integrity, you're sitting here thinking to yourself, oh, too late. And and as I talk about integrity, you're feeling you felt like, oh, I have just I have messed up. I, my life ha- has been a mess. I've been I, I I've compromised in the day to day. I've compromised in the big things. In fact, I have done great evil. I I am not going to be able to walk the life of Samuel with with that life of of um, of lifelong integrity. If that's your story. If that's your story, the great news about God is you can still make an incredible, powerful difference for Him by living out and embracing grace. Embracing grace. Receiving and believing grace. Now, if you look at your life and you see failure... The path forward begins with repentance. And and what is repentance? Well, one of the Puritans, a guy named Thomas Watson, once described repentance as this. He said, repentance is the vomiting of the soul. Repentance is the vomiting of the soul. And what he's trying to articulate is repentance is when your insides is, is so appalled by what you have done. And you agree with God that what you have done is is vile, it's evil, it's sickening. And and you and God are in agreement and you're like, God, God, we are on the same page here. Grieving, grieving your sin with God. Rejecting it deep inside. The powerful message of of the Bible though is when it comes to God's grace, it's seen right here. And I love these words, so I'm going to just repeat it again. Verse 20, Samuel replied, you know, they've done great evil, don't be afraid. You've done great evil, your harvest is destroyed. Don't be afraid. Even though you have committed all this evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all your heart. Don't turn away from worth, and to follow worthless things. Which you can't, verse 22, the Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name and because he has determined to make you his own people. The message of grace for you today is if you have really messed up, there are consequences. There are consequences. But you don't need to be afraid. You don't need to be afraid. Repent and set your heart, your lifelong heart to to worshiping God and, and He will not reject you. He will not abandon you. The challenge of grace isn't understanding it. That's not the difficult thing about grace and and, and what it is. It's really simple. Grace is simple. Jesus paid it all. All. That's the simple thing. If you give your life to Jesus, all, every, each, every time, all, all, all is forgiven. All is forgiven forever. The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It talks about though our sins were as scarlet, he has made them white as snow. If you've you've never given your life to Jesus, what you need to do is you need to agree with God. That you have messed up and dedicate your life to his way. To to, to him. to, To believe in Jesus. The rest of your life to Jesus. Whatever whatever he wants, and, and you do that, and you get forgiven of everything. There, there may be consequences from, from the, the past years, but between you and God, you are good and you're forgiven. It's a simple concept if you've given your life to Jesus. But the thing is, <clears throat> as simple as it is, there are Christians out there who have really screwed up. They're really screwed up, and who, although they know better, they've they've, they've totally messed up, maybe they've messed up for years and years, and maybe maybe they've done evil as, as Christians. And they feel horrible about it, and they feel grieved by it, they feel guilty about what they've done, they feel sick about it. And somewhere in those Christians' fear and shame, they have this terrifying thought. Like, what can I do now that I've messed up so so badly? I I, I knew better. What can I do now to to get back right with God? Well, you can repent and, and you can try and make it right with those people that you've sinned against. And when you do that, I think the Bible talks about adding 20%. Adding 20%, not just trying to get even, but 20%. But what can you do to fix things between you and God? What can you do to fix things? Nothing. 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 You can do nothing. Jesus forgives you. Jesus forgives you. I I hope you hear me. Jesus forgives you. If you're carrying around guilt and shame as a believer in Jesus for for messing up, for for evil, for hurting people, you can can make things right with them. But Jesus forgives you. Okay, Brian. But I have done, just no, Jesus forgives you. But you don't understand, I knew better, I knew better, I I really hurt people, I did horrible things, and I just kept doing it. Make it right with them, but Jesus forgives you. Sometimes I I feel like Christians don't believe the word all. They, They struggle with that. They, they they are okay with most, but they're not okay with all. They're not okay with all. Jesus paid it all. Your guilt is taken away. Your sins have been taken care of. There is now no condemnation. I think most people think there is now a lot less condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Doesn't it make you want to cry that people think that way? It's simple, it's straightforward, all have sinned, don't be afraid, repent, repent, turn to Jesus, be forgiven. Samuel says in verse 22, he says, the Lord will not abandon his people. True then, how much more true for those that he's paid a great price for. The Lord will not abandon his people because of his great name, because he's determined to make you his own people. Grace is easy to understand. Hard to believe in. And that's the thing. The hardest thing about grace is believing, believing it for you and for your situation. Having faith in Jesus in general is one thing, but believing that it's true for you in your context is, is the most difficult thing. But in Hebrews, we find that the definition of faith is believing. Faith is believing. I have faith in Jesus. That means I believe that what he has done for me is true. It would have been completely wasted and worthless for Jesus to die for most of your sins. It, would have, it, it wouldn't have made one difference. It would have been completely wasted and worthless for Jesus to die for most of your sins. It's all or nothing. It's all or nothing. And if you've given your life to Jesus, it's all. It's all. If you repent, if you turn your life to Jesus, you will be saved. I I find it's the good Christians. It's the ones who are doing a pretty good job that have the hardest time with grace for when they they mess up. They they have a hard time believing it for themselves. Their sense of guilt is wound up. And their sense and their hope for grace is, is worn down. You worried about grace for you are you worried about grace for you are you, are you living in delight of the joy of forgiveness <clears throat> what is it the, the woman who is weeping at Jesus feet and and kissing his feet uh, kissing his feet forgiven much she gets it and she's she just loves Jesus are you full of joy and delight? In the grace that you've been given? Or are you full of, I hope so. I hope so. In the words of Samuel, don't be afraid. Even though you've committed all that evil, don't turn away from following the Lord. Instead, worship the Lord with all your heart. You can never go too far away from Jesus that you can't return. In an instant. In an instant. In an instant. <clears throat> you know, over the next few weeks, we're going to continue to look at King Saul. <clears throat> we're going to look at King Saul. We're going to look at someone <clears throat> who really struggles to follow God well. He, he's going to have a, a, a difficult go. And, and there's compromises. There's consequences for compromising. And we're going to see that in Saul. And and there, Saul experiences some withdrawal of, of God's favor. He, he, he experiences some active discipline in uh, on God in his life. And I really like Saul, and I, and I wish that things uh, turn out better for him. I, I genuinely feel sad for, for how Saul's life is going to go. As